You are tuned into the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, your Rx for success in nutrition, mindset, and health to dispense the best version of you. The Fit Pharmacist is a movement in the profession of pharmacy. Here is your host for the show, Dr. Adam Martin. All right, guys, this is Dr. Adam Martin with the Fit Pharmacist Podcast, and I'm coming to you live from Independence, Kentucky today with a really important topic how to bounce back from setbacks in your health, in your life, and in pursuing your passion. So real quick, what is the Fit Pharmacist? The Fit Pharmacist is not a person or place, but it's a movement in the profession of pharmacy to lead by example in healthcare by literally putting the health back into healthcare. By taking care of our own health, we care to function in our optimal capacity, both physically and mentally, to better serve our patients. But guess what, guys? There are more professions joining in the movement, wanting to live out their full potential as practitioners through living a healthy lifestyle. By doing this, we can empower our own patients through the example we set ourselves. It's more than just pharmacy. It's broadening, it's spreading, and this is a good thing for only, not only our patients, but for ourselves as healthcare practitioners, it's bringing health back to healthcare. Nursing is huge in healthcare. Love our nurses. Pharmacists love nurses. Nurses love pharmacists. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of mishmash among there. What would you say, Kevin? Nurses love nurses. Oh, I can't believe he said it. He crossed the line. <laughs> well, pharmacists love nurses, unbeknownst to the nurses. We actually do love you guys. Um, and today, we have a special guest representing the nursing profession, a uh, colleague and friend and soon-to-be doctor, Kevin Brunacini. Residing in northern Kentucky, Kevin Brunacini is a licensed and certified family nurse practitioner, a personal trainer, and operates his consultatory weight loss practice, the Diet Doc of Independence, Kentucky. Once morbidly obese... Kevin can relate to the importance of nutrition and sustainable behaviors to keep the weight off. Our country does not have a weight loss problem, but rather a weight maintenance one. He knew in order to help his patients develop healthier lifestyles, he would need to do the same. Guys, over the course of four years, Kevin lost 121 pounds and has kept that off for nearly six years through healthy, sustainable lifestyle modifications, and established himself as a health leader. Kevin's clinical experience has focused primarily in endocrinology and is currently pursuing further studies to earn his doctorate. There are 98 days left. Other than a passion for nutrition in school, Kevin is happily married, has two extremely spoiled black labs, and is an avid bass player and singer. Kevin, welcome to the show. Happy to be here, Adam. So, Master Kevin, you have lost over 120 pounds and kept it off for over six years. True. First off, congratulations. That's freaking fantastic. So, in that process, let me ask you a question. Was that a linear process? Not at all. Okay. In that time, were there days you lost weight, followed by some days that you did not lose weight or even gain some weight? Oh, yes. Every day, every week. Now, that's day by day, but what about weeks? So if you look at overall weekly progress through your health journey, 
were there weeks when the average weight fluctuation was not down, but an actual weight gain? Frustratingly so. But overall, throughout that entire process, from the start over six years ago to present day, you lost over 120 pounds. And kept it off for greater than five years. Well, hot damn! What's the secret? What's the shake? The wrap? What did you use? Um, I used the wrap. <laughs> used the wrap while eating ketogenic. <laughs> using the Lord's name in vain. Oh. And using the hydroxy pill. Oh, man. <laughs> so, guys, this can be done without supplements, without drugs, without extreme measures, literally just using science and support and being consistent. It's really that simple. Uh, there's no magic pill. There's nothing like that. It's, it's really just taking the science and putting that into practice on a consistent basis. That is what Kevin has done and continues to do to keep that weight off. Now, like we said, through that process... He had some ups and downs or what we could deem as setbacks. If you are looking to make changes to your current lifestyle, to your health, whether that be to lose weight or gain muscle or just adopt healthier habits irrelevant to weight as a number, you will experience setbacks along the way. That is to be expected. It is normal and is part of the process. But what we need to be able to do in order to reach our goal is to push through those setbacks and progress with progress. And that is what we're gonna talk about today. How to do that with simple, practical, and real life tips you can use as a healthcare professional to bounce back and stay on track with your journey toward living your best life and health. So Kevin, I did a lot of talking right there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna shift it over to you now. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Kevin's a man of few words. <laughs> so, all right, let's say we're on our health journey and it can be losing weight or just trying to be healthier, trying to get exercise in or plan your meals or just be more mindful, focusing on mindset, whatever that goal is. And on that process, eventually we're going to run into some sort of action that we do or inaction where we feel like we made a mistake or we feel like we have a setback or we feel like we made a failure. If that happens, if that feeling comes up, what's the first thing to do in that process in order to keep going forward? Obviously, it's a loaded, loaded answer uh, to that question. There's first thing is to know that a mistake is not inherently bad. Failure is not inherently bad unless you are going to perceive that as such and not do anything about it. But uh, unrelated to even health, I have had mistakes in my current studies. It doesn't mean I'm a, a less than perfect clinician or uh, not a good one or has at all slowed me down towards my pursuit of the degree. It's just a mistake that happened. But how I learned from it is what's how we learn from it is what's most important. Whether it's nutrition, health, exercise, family, spirituality, marriage. All of it. It's going to, we're going to have mistakes, and I don't know why we would think otherwise. That's never going to happen. It's just, <laughs> that's what you, you mean. Life's not perfect. No, it's not fair either. Oh, facts be told. I quote myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first step is to acknowledge that and bring awareness to that feeling we have. Um, that's what you're saying is seeing that life is not perfect and just being real with reality. 
So once you've identified that, what would you say the next thing is? So we're breaking it down. Like we, we look at the feeling we have with the result we don't want or a result we did not intend. So after we've identified it, what would the next step be? After, after a mistake has occurred, the next logical step is to assess what happened, what didn't happen perhaps, but um, you know, this is going to be strictly staying on health and, health and wellness, mm -hmm. um, especially if it's in the realms of emotional eating. Um, you didn't need to eat something or you went overboard. That doesn't happen in healthcare. Not at all. No. Uh, we're surrounded by stress in healthcare. Who's not, who's not going to emotionally eat? Who's not going to have a donut in the break room? But that's, I digress. <laughs> um, but we, mistakes are going to happen. We have to assess it, meaning what led to that in terms of was it what stressors occurred? What triggers did we have that? Could have occurred. What thought patterns you know, led to that for the relationship? The people that led that developed that created stress and that catapulted you to make a less an optimal, less an optimal, optimal decision. Um, what what was it that that occurred, and what could you have done differently, or what would you have done differently or better for next time? And we have to take stock and inventory ourselves to know how to best do. How to best manage it for next time. So in that second step of analyzing what you perceive as a failure, you talked about going through the thoughts you have and the mindset. And I'm glad you brought that up because that brings up something that I see a lot um, in, in the mindset trap, you could say, um, where if you fall short of your goal, you can look at it as a dichotomy of a win or a loss, literally through a black or white lens. So literally saying like this action was a win or a loss like that's it just black and white which can really be super harsh and judgmental um so in your experience have you had that come up for yourself and if you were able to overcome that how and how can we not be so detrimental to ourselves and or be judging so harshly like how can we overcome that that mentality Definitely, to answer the first question, if I've had that black or white mentality, oh yes, who, who doesn't? Uh, some areas of my life, I still maintain that to some degree, but when it comes to nutrition, I uh, perhaps that would be, this would be a first tidbit of advice. Um, what has helped me is a lot of things, but one thing that, that comes to mind and stays in my mind is there's nothing bad with what you chose to eat necessarily, uh, meaning if you had a donut or you ate something that's far from healthy or perfect or you wanted to actually eat something you knew you were going to go out and socialize and you have that guilt after the fact because of whatever reason, you didn't do anything wrong by enjoying that food. And therefore, you not only do you provide yourself some self-compassion and grace, but you don't see you don't see it. At least it helped me to not see the situation as black or white because it just life just isn't. It's we it's that we want to inherently categorize our our ideas our actions into good or bad but very seldom when it comes to nutrition is it just that because context is a pretty big variable into everything that we make in regards to our life all nutrition has its is a series of choices that dictate how our health truly is at any time so 
you're taking that black and white a step further into actual nutrition. So not like there's a good foods and bad foods. So if you were, like you said, for example, to have a donut, it's not that you did a bad thing or ate a bad food because who doesn't like donuts? And if we were to completely cut out a food group, you know, it's, again, it's all in moderation and balance, but to completely cut out a food group, that's really restrictive, is it not? Exactly, and it's only going to set you up for for further indulgences, or at least put you at that high risk of you're going. If you don't want, if you choose yourself, you tell yourself you can't have donuts, you're likely going to want donuts inevitably. The right. Ironic process theory is just that: is you tell yourself you can't have something, you know, you're eventually going to cave and want to have it. There's no willpower going to stop you from that. So it's really about moderation and flexibility. Um, I know for me personally, I years ago tried the quote clean eating track where I would not have any food groups of ice cream or pizza or donuts or those calorically dense, nutritionally lacking foods. And just like you said, all I would see is, oh, when am I, if you were at a party or a social event or a work function, you would encounter those and all you would think is, you know, I might not ever see this again or like on your birthday, I better eat all I can because I never know when I'm going to, you know, have this quote opportunity again, which can lead to overeating or binging, which leads to this, oh, I did a wrong thing because in that mentality, we've defined that those are quote wrong or bad foods. And if you partake, then you feel quote wrong or bad, which is a very vicious cycle. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, it was just just it was just coming to my to my um, to my mind that one of the most epic and most uh, I don't even want to say memorable most memorable binges because they I don't want to remember them, but the most one most recent one that I had which was four or five years ago maybe. Mm. Um, remember it was it was actually at a celebration rather than remorse or from a, a negative emotion that I was feeling I just wanted to celebrate my wife finishing the marathon so I had planned for it knowing at that time I was following more of a clean eating protocol unfortunately and uh, therefore I couldn't I wasn't giving myself opportunity to eat Oreos any other time or donuts or Doritos or I guess anything else uh, I would. I just couldn't have those because it wasn't within the rules of clean eating. Yeah. But when I had the opportunity to do so, it just was a flat out binge. I woke up like it was Christmas morning. I couldn't sleep because I was so excited to eat. And that's, to me, that's just, it's just foolish. It it, I I shouldn't be waking up at I have an excitement to eat something like that when normally I could just eat Oreos any other time because it's it's an Oreo for goodness sake. Um, right. In fact, what has helped me kind of transition out of clean eating mostly, but what transitioned out of this mindset was it's not my it's not my Thanksgiving dinner, meaning I can have these foods any other time if I choose to, if I allow that flexibility mm. and understand that nutrition is a budget. It's not a good or bad food dichotomy, but if I want an Oreo, I can budget that in, but 
moderation is is set. It's a matter of I can I can have an Oreo. I can have two or three if I really wanted to, but Scandalous. I can have some. <laughs> I can have some if I really want to. If I'm in, if I desire that, but I'm not neglecting the basics of health by meaning still have high quality proteins, healthy fats, unsaturated fats, and mostly complex carbohydrates. I don't neglect those while I still have indisposable calories to reserve towards things that are taboo uh, in most other, you know, any other diet uh, dogma approach, I suppose. Right, so it's more of a balance fitting in those those foods, those indulgences within reason, um, more like an 80-20 rule, um, where like 80, just in general, 80% are your quote, clean, nutritionally dense foods, and 20% is wiggle room for those indulgences that you like from time to time in moderation. Um, because what I really hear and feel from my own personal experience is restriction, not allowing to eat certain foods at all, really leads to entrapment and flexibility, allowing room for those things, again, from time to time in moderation, really leads to freedom and not feeling like that that mindset of, oh, I might never see this again. Um, I better eat all I can because I don't know when the next opportunity, the next party, the next time I'll, quote, see this cake is. But in reality, we have access to it. But if we allow ourselves, then that really frees ourselves with that flexible approach. Now, with that mindset, another mindset trap that I see people fall into, and I myself has ha have had experience with this, let's say it's Thursday and you're on track. The end of the week's coming near and you're at a social gathering, you eat more than you anticipated. And again, that feeling of failure or you just had a setback. And then you start thinking, well, it's Thursday. The weekend's coming. I'll just restart on Monday. What the hell? So tell us about what the hell effect. Is that a real thing? What is the what the hell effect? It's, uh, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> what the hell, man? That's what you're yeah, supposed exactly. to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, what the hell phenomenon is, is, that response we get to when, when we, at least in my mind, my interpretation is when we get to that, get to that crossroad of we have to make a choice, mm -hmm. and it's much easier, or we rationalize it's much easier to say, what the hell, f it, it's you know, the day's already ruined. As one example, in most instances, that's what that's what I and that's what I experience not only for myself but experience with clients. Is that they'll just hey what the hell this day's done with or this day's going to be blonde because I'm going to be eating this might as well just not care and just you know forgo my whole values my whole process and worry about Monday because that's just arbitrary day of the start of the week that if there's a problem I'll just wait until Monday to fix it instead of now. That's the trap. Is what the hell I've already screwed up. I might as well dig a deeper ditch because guys we'll we'll slip up from time to time. Any of us will. It's part of the process. But if you slip back 10 steps, you're going to bounce back eventually, be that the next day or Monday. So you'll, quote, make up or go back those 10 steps the other way. So why would you keep going and set yourself back an extra 30 steps by realizing you had 
one or two servings more of ice cream than you thought, and then add on top of that a whole pizza, candy bar, and then you know carry that on like, oh, Saturday, it's the weekend. I'll have that again, and then Sunday. So then you have to, quote, undo that sort of mistake or mindset trap or whatever you'd say. So how do we overcome that, that mindset trap of what the hell I might as well? That's tough for me. I can't recall in my in my struggle with obesity. I don't recall doing having a downward spiral. Mm. If I did one day, let's say the whole weekend, I if I had, I guess if I had to, I, I did that for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> I neglected myself long enough, but it can't recall just one decision uh, leading it to a whole weekend, to a week, to a month. It was rather it was a one day. Feel miserable. I. Why would I do that? Why would I continue to do that another day? I was enough. One night was enough, so I would just get back to it. And the word that comes to mind when you're when we're talking about this and talking with the talking about this concept with Dr. Corey Probes is a word is recoil. Mm. We're going to have slip ups. It's inevitable. To be expected. It's it's part of life. We have to deal with it. So it's a matter of. Knowing that's going to happen, we it's a matter of recoiling. If we want to have that turnover rate from an episode or some something happening that was against our expectations, then we want to minimize that time from when it happened to getting back on the horse or getting back to baseline or normal normal behavior, whatever that would be, and reducing that recoil time little by little. That's ultimately going to get you to that long-term success to where it won't be a problem or it's not going to affect you like it once had. Way to go. Oh, special guest comes on the show. (laughs) Becky. (laughs) No, but um, I actually can voice on that where I myself in the past have fell privy to that mindset process of, you know, I might as well, you know, I'll just restart the next day. And that's exactly what prevented me from continuing that is that recoil mentality of yes i might have overate or overstepped my intention if i keep going how much more time will it be wasted by you know having to deal or process with those things and just asking that question like yes you know i slipped up it's part of life what can i do now to put myself back in a position of power to get back on track with where my goals are. And answering that question is what led that to break down in a good way, a good way to break down that mindset trap of, I don't wanna keep this up. Yes, I didn't have an ideal situation or take an ideal action, but right now I'm aware of that. So the process that we've just talked about on this podcast, I'm aware of that. I identified the triggers, whatever they may have been, social pressures, for me, if I'm thirsty or tired, that tends to lead to overeating or going outside of my intended plan initially. Um, and then saying, you know, what can I do about it now? Because right now I'm in a position of power to take action, whether that be the action of stopping the action of eating <laughs> or realizing that, you know, there's a way to turn this around. And it's what you can do right now. It's not going forward with that downward spiral. So having that awareness of, Yes, I might not have had an ideal action, but right now I have the opportunity to take positive action, whether that be a change in action or stopping a current action. 
um, I think realizing that is what really sets us up. And um, for me, in, in the healthcare setting as a pharmacist, being aware of that and those tendencies, so reflecting, will really help paint that picture because a lot of times, especially in a stressful environment, and that's for another time is talking about environmental triggers, um, being aware of what those are, what leads to those actions can really help us to you know, stop ourselves in the moment or just be aware and present to analyze in that moment where we are and what actions we can take to change our course back to a course of progress and not judgment that we failed or you know, had a setback, but really a course of how can I best serve my purpose? What can I do that will be useful to my goals? What can I do right now that will be helpful to me and to what I'm striving toward? I think to add to that, what has helped me most, I'm very pragmatic with my with life in general, but when it comes to what has come to my help and I, Except for the first uh, maybe one or two years of the dieting process and just being naive, I suppose. But um, when it came to emotional eating, I was rather pragmatic in identifying what was the trigger or what led to that. And usually was some food that I just, just really liked. Just It was just a matter of separating, you know, being away from it until I had stronger tendencies or stronger uh, um, I don't want to say willpower, but this, I, I can't think of a, I can't think of a term, but the point of the matter is, uh, trigger foods. Dang it. Now what was I going to even say? Um, oh yeah. But I, what has helped me most is to live based on my values. Um, if I'm, if I'm having, if I had an episode and that's how it occurred, what, you know, ultimately what value was I compromised or what was compromised based on my values at that moment? Was there a sense of connection? Was there a sense of competence? Was there a sense of autonomy threatened? Mm. To me, being able to identify something that simple allowed, would allow me to now be able to prevent it and develop a work plan to make sure that it does, I don't go down that pathway again. But uh, I'm, I'm a man of values, so if I'm not living to that to its highest potential, whatever the value may be to me, then I'm not living at my highest purpose. And therefore, my choices are going should reflect my values. And um, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of rambling. No, not at all. That actually brought up an excellent point. Um, so the wellness director and vice president of the Diet Doc, Dr. Corey Probst, who focuses and is, in my opinion, the world expert and pioneer on health psychology, um, focuses on self-determination theory, looking at what you just described, the three basic psychological needs, the competency, right? So do you wanna touch on those real quick and just give a brief explanation? Because um, again, the first step in this process is awareness and identification. So if we can do this, that can really open, open the doors for a lot of people, I think. Self-determination theory by Ryan and Jesse, it's a, it's a, Motivational theory, and I, I wouldn't consider motivational theory, but uh, perhaps more of a positive psychology theory about we need three, three uh, um, 
intrinsic values we need to maintain in order to maintain some sense of motivation for ourselves, and that would be autonomy, a sense of free will for, for sake of simplicity. We have to be able to choose or not have our choices be made for us. We should be, our goals, we should be the ones to make that and choose what's best. I can do it! Uh, competence is the second, so a sense of self-mastery. Just like nutrition, you know, you can have the best plan, but if you have a damn clue about what you're going to do or what it means, that sense of confidence, that ability to master the skills of nutrition is not going to matter if you don't understand the concepts of nutrition as a whole. So to me, competence is critical. That is, that's probably why I'm in my 12th year of school, because I, I just can't get enough. I love to learn, and therefore I love to have that sense of competence for myself. That's second. Um, I saw smart. And the third is uh, one that's very simple, but uh, we can't ever downplay the importance of support, connection, mm. and sense of belonging. And this is different than just having support from family and friends of just, you know, good job, rah, rah, that type of thing, which I frankly don't don't like, don't care about. But I, uh, being an introvert, I love close-knit connections. I want to be and feel belonged by others. So, not, and this is kind of like a higher grade than just basic there, there, support. This is, you, you are belonged, you are loved. They, they truly are supporting you, but we're going to follow through with you every step of a process or uh, any barrier that would come in your way. We're going to be there and pick, help pick you up to get you through it, whatever that is. And that anytime those are threatened, that's when we go into this all, all flight or fight mode. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes in the, in the realm of nutrition or weight loss, that's when we typically have those risks of overeating and binge episodes or isolation, whatever whatever may be kind of an obstacle towards us, but that's when we typically go in those knee-jerk moments to not make the best decision. So guys, breaking it down, because Kevin said that perfectly, if I may say, but breaking it down into three main thoughts, the first one being, I know what I'm doing. The second one being, I can do this. And the third one being, I am part of a team. If you cannot resonate with those three, if one of those are threatened or you feel like, no, that's not true, that is what is going to make you feel threatened and lead potentially to that fight or flight response, which can be acted through falling, quote, falling off course with your plan, whether that be with um, your workout plan or your nutrition plan. So those are th the three basic psychological needs in self-determination theory that really when you break down a breakdown or a setback, that's how you can really relate it. So that's really, we're all about simple solutions at the Fit Pharmacist. That's really simple. Looking at one of those three reasons, if any of those are threatened. So again, in this process, going back to the beginning of the podcast, assessing you know what happened what went wrong that's really the simplest way to do it is looking at where any of those three compromised and if you can answer that then you can see how or why or what led me to feel that way and if you can address that and come back to a state of homeostasis or empowerment that will allow you to get back on track and like kevin said recoil back to where our goals are onto our path that we have towards progress. Simple enough, right, guys? Super, super simple. Excellent. Um, mm -hmm. So with all that being said, 
Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add, Kevin, as far as tips to get back on track or traps or things that you learned through your journey um, that really stood out to you other than really looking at the, the three psychological needs? You'd be here for a long time to, yeah. it's, it's been, it'd take a long time for me to try to remember being that it's been seven years since yeah. really struggling with weight loss. You know, I, even though I did have, and perhaps this is something that's often maybe not addressed even, but even in my maintenance phase, I still had these issues to some degree. It's not just I lost weight, I'm thin, I'm healthy, great. You know, they don't exist anymore. They're just as, you know, just as prevalent or just as risky because you're at a, at a new, perhaps even more just as compulsive mm. when you're in that in a leaner state because you've perhaps never been that way. You want to maintain that. You become a little bit more protective of wanting to maintain that. Mm. Therefore, you go to even more further extremes to to stay there. And that I found that to be true of myself uh, at one point that where I dabbled into rather extreme dieting measures to maintain that leanness when it was just unrealistic and not sustainable and uh, that took just as much effort to bounce uh, to get out of that than active weight loss so it's it holds credence that maintenance is still just as difficult still have to have behavior implementation of what you know makes you tick what what are triggers for you and ultimately what are your values and trying to maintain because that's what's going to dictate your behavior or dictate your thoughts that's going to dictate your behaviors and you should always try to embody and maintain what our values are and abide by them so keeping your eye on the ball even when your goal is quote met doesn't mean you can you know sit back and relax and just coast because while that goal may have been met goals change just like life and your current state wherever you are, your goals change. And that's what's exciting is once you hit a goal, a lot of times success is a poison because if you get success, you can tend to, not you, but just in general, uh, rest on your laurels and just let things go to the wayside and get too comfortable with being comfortable. And that's what can really be a poison for a lot of people sending them on that downward spiral because they took their eye off the ball. So I think that's a great point is once you do meet your goal, that's awesome. Celebrate that, but get excited because now you have an opportunity for other goals that you might not have even thought about prior to starting your journey in accomplishing the first one. So I would look at it as a point of excitement because now that you've achieved that, you have the opportunity to do even more and progress and push yourself in a direction uh, toward health and success that you might not have even considered uh, in the beginning of the journey. Look at you. You're 98 days away from being Dr. Kevin. Another one in the family, yes. Um, darn, I had something else. It's Profound. I was going to have something else to add to that. Uh, it slipped my mind. It's, it's bedtime for me. But yeah, I, can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't think of it now. Um, darn. We'll get you some chemical-free monster. <laughs> Oh wow, that's that's beyond. I prepped for this. Oh yeah, <laughs> prepped hard. All right, guys, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with Dr. Kevin here. Um, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom throughout your journey with all of us in healthcare, so that we can live our best lives to empower our patients 
through leading by example with our own health. Thank you guys for listening. This is Dr. Adam with soon-to-be Dr. Kevin Brunacini with The Fit Pharmacist. I bid you adieu. Bye.